0: My name is Rick Massingale, and this is my wife Cindy. We have uh, four children and 13 grandkids, and we're excited to be able to just share our story with you tonight. I grew up in a small town in North Texas, and my home was a very peaceful, loving uh, family where there was very little conflict or criticism. I could basically do anything that I wanted, and all I got was praise and encouragement. My family went to church all the time and because of this I had a reverence for God but didn't really know much about God. I just assumed that he wanted me to be good. My early life was totally consumed with sports. My brother was 10 years older than me and by the time I was in junior high school he was playing on the golf team at TCU and by the time I got to high school he was playing on the PGA Tour. He was my idol and I wanted to follow in his footsteps and play professional golf. He taught me and encouraged me and I ended up getting a scholarship to the University of Texas to play on the golf team.
1: I also grew up in a small town, um, but in South Texas. I was raised in a very uh, non-functional Christian family. I was the oldest of four girls. My parents took us to church regularly but then they would fight all the way home about anything and everything. Love always felt very conditional. My father was my hero. He taught me to skin deer and herd cattle and ride horses, to work hard, to be honest and responsible, but he also taught me how to manipulate and control people with anger. By the time I reached high school, I felt that my dad was really only interested in me if I was interested in things that he liked. I began to look to boys for affirmation and attention. Growing up in a small town allowed me to be a big fish in a very small pond. I received a lot of awards, and I earned two scholarships to the University of Texas at Austin. I grew up believing in God, kind of the same way that I believed that George Washington was the first president. I did not realize you could actually know God. I was taught that you had to believe in Jesus, but you also had to live a good life. The hypocrisy that I saw in my parents' lives of smiling at everyone in church, but yelling and fighting at home had a huge impact on me. By the time I got to college, I quit going to church because I simply didn't see the relevancy. I discarded the moral code with which I was raised and lived for myself and my pleasure. I made very bad moral choices that had devastating consequences. By the beginning of my second year of college, I had already experienced an out-of-wedlock pregnancy, which was hidden from the world. That child was given up for adoption so that my family would not be embarrassed.
0: When I got to college, I also quit going to church. In fact, I didn't even know anyone in the athletic dorm that did. I never drank a beer until the second semester of my freshman year. Actually, they didn't even sell beer in my hometown, so I was not really tempted until I got to college and my peers uh, encouraged me to go have some fun, and I went wild. I joined a fraternity and was immersed in the party life at UT. I met a girl the summer before my third year of college, and we got married. We started fighting the day after we were married, and since I'd never learned how to deal with conflict, I withdrew and divorced her before our first anniversary. Later, during my last year at school, I got a girl pregnant and encouraged and helped her pay for an abortion. Withdrawing and running away had become my way of dealing with conflict and problems. The best part of college was playing on the golf team and hanging out with the guys on the team. I did as little as possible in my classes because I had no goal in life but to play golf and just didn't see how a degree would help that. Like Rick, I
1: didn't go to college to get a degree. I went to find a husband. There was an emptiness in my soul that I could not articulate, but it was always there. I never missed a party or an adventure or a competition. But whether I walked away with the cutest boy or a state title, I never walked away feeling whole. One night, a friend asked me to be his date for a birthday party for some guy on his golf team. As it turned out, it was Rick's birthday. We sat across a table from each other and flirted shamelessly. From the moment we made eye contact, I knew that he was the one who was going to make me whole.
0: Uh, It was my last year in college when I met Cindy, and we were married six months later. I thought she was the one who could make me happy, but soon after we were married, I realized that this was going to be a tough road. Uh, We were different in every way, and neither of us knew how to resolve anything. Uh, After college, I qualified for the PGA Tour and uh, right after we were married, and I thought that my big dream was coming true. I was going to get to play on the PGA Tour. However, however, after four years on the tour, doing the very thing that I thought that I'd grown up wanting to do, I was miserable and my dream more closely resembled a nightmare.
1: We married quickly for all the wrong reasons. He was handsome and popular and he was headed for a life on the PGA Tour. He became my hero and then he was not. I set an impossible bar for Rick to reach. All he had to do to live in peace was just simply make me happy. Not surprisingly, he failed. For a while, early in our marriage, I hid my anger and my selfishness from him, but soon I stopped trying to hide it. Nothing he could ever do made me happy. I needed to win every fight and have him always agree with me. I wanted him to work hard and make money, But when he would stay late at the course practicing, I pouted and withheld sex to punish him for not coming home early to help with the kids. I screamed, and I yelled, and it fixed nothing. I didn't know what I needed to be happy, but I expected him to figure it out and make it happen. By the time our two sons were four and five, I was completely out of love with Rick. At this same time, my mother had experienced a radical change in her life as a result of attending Bible study fellowship. When I went home to stay with my parents while I filed for divorce, she invited me to attend a Bible study with her. We always fought about religion, but for some reason, when she invited me to go with her, I heard myself agreeing to go. They were studying Paul's letters, and it was the first time that I'd ever heard Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. I understood for the first time that it was not my works that would get me to heaven, but simply trusting completely in the free gift of salvation that was made possible to me by Jesus' death on the cross. I trusted Christ for salvation and continued to attend the Bible study. I also learned from 1 Corinthians 7 that if I was going to trust Christ for my salvation, I also needed to trust him with my marriage. It would be uh, disobedient of me to file for divorce, so I called Rick and asked him if I could come back out on the tour and we could attend some of the PGA Tour uh, weekly Bible studies.
0: I was still not playing well when Cindy called and talked about coming back out and adjoin- joining me and going to one of the Bible studies. She told me that she was reading a Christian book, and she was really excited to tell me about it. I told her I was also reading a book that I was excited about called The Exorcist. Uh, she, she, she said that her book, her book was better. We went to the tour Bible study that week. I went thinking that I was a Christian because I'd grown up in a church and believed in Jesus. However, I soon realized that my belief in Jesus was merely intellectual and that in order to really have a relationship with God, I had to believe and trust that Jesus' death on the cross was sufficient to pay the penalty for my sin. That week, I confessed my sin and need for a Savior and put my trust in Christ and God started the process of changing our lives. Up until this point, I'd never really been a reader, but after trusting Christ, I suddenly had a real desire to find out more about this relationship with Christ. And I started consuming the Bible and couldn't get enough of it. God God made himself very real to me soon after trusting him for salvation. Even though I have a pretty calm personality, I was a very angry person on the golf course. I was overly competitive, and I lost my temper when things didn't go well. I'd always known that getting mad and for if when you're playing golf is not good for your golf game, but I just could not control my emotions. I just didn't have the power to do that. After trusting Christ, God gave me the power to experience self-control for the first time. Gradually, golf just became golf, and my identity stopped de- determining my life. As I read the scripture, I understood that God had given me a new heart, which was evidenced by the new love that I had for Cindy. But I also realized that I was helpless to make my wife happy on my own. I learned through a mentor that our marriage would improve only to the degree that I worked on myself and was submissive and obedient to God's word. However, I still had choices to make in my life. I had the choice every day to either trust God and live for Him or trust in myself and try to control my own life. My mentor helped me see the seriousness of my walk with God and shared Isaiah 119 with me, which says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. I took that passage not only as a warning, but also as a real promise from God that obedience to Him would bring real blessing in my life, and I realized that if I wanted my marriage to improve, I had to work on myself and grow closer to the Lord and start walking according to His directions.
1: After we reconciled and joined a community of believers who taught us how to pray together and study the Bible, I quickly began to experience the evidence of my salvation. When Rick and I got married, I had a secret that I had never shared with him. I could not sleep in the dark. After we married, we slept every night with the overhead light on all night long. Something about the dark made me think about dying, and I was terrified to think about dying because I didn't know what would happen to me after I died. After I understood that my eternity was secure and that I was going to heaven when I died, my fear disappeared and we were able to turn off the light. <laughs> the biggest change I experienced in our marriage was a result of me understanding 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke, and I thought, and I reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. My temper tantrums, angry outbursts, and fighting, pouting over not getting my way were childish behavior. And I became convicted that I had grown up but continued to live as a child. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. I began to exercise self-control over my emotions and acknowledge that Rick did not make me angry. He just brought out the anger in me over not getting my way. The Holy Spirit empowered me to grow up emotionally and consider others as more important than myself. Because of some things that happened to me as a child, I became sexually active as a very young teen, but um, several years after we were married, I lost interest in sexual intimacy. This led to Rick being frustrated and feeling rejected. I was selfish and saw his need as a way to exert power over him, granting him favors when he earned them. God, in his grace, provided us with kind and loving mentors who taught us from God's word how to heal and forgive and love each other in every way that God had designed for us. Sometimes I get overwhelmed with joy uh, in the love that God has given me for Rick. I realize that um, very easily I could have missed this. I could have blown this up and never known this joy. If I had, I would also have missed out on the blessing of two amazing daughters that God gave us, several years after our marriage began to heal. This October, we will celebrate 50 years of marriage. (laughs) This picture, we just got back from a seven-day cruise with our four kids and their spouses and our 13 grandchildren. Um, Some people would say that you cannot prove God, but I can. Some people um, would say that who, who don't know that seven people, thir- 23 people can be together seven days and come back friends. Um, only a good God could save my father. Soon after our marriage began to change and radically change him from an angry, abusive man into a godly influence on my children and a loving husband to his wife. Only a good God could develop my hopeless marriage into the amazing relationship that I could never even have imagined and then give us an opportunity to share our struggles and God's victories with others who are walking the same path that we have.
0: There were a lot of other areas in my life that I needed to change for our marriage to improve. As Cindy mentioned, her default sin was anger. Mine was being passive I'm an introvert, and I just wanted peace. But when Cindy would get angry, I would try to defend myself or ignore her, which made her more angry. I found that there are many scriptures that speak about responding to anger, but a couple of verses that I embraced were Romans 2-4, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. And 1 Peter 3-9, do not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing instead. Since I knew that I could not make Cindy happy, I decided to take God at his word and see if his word was true. Every morning I would read scripture and pray that I would respond in a godly way to Cindy. I prayed that God would change my heart and let her see the goodness of God in me. After some time, I realized that she was not initiating as many fights, and we talked about that. She said that she had realized that she was the only one fighting. And it really made her feel ashamed. The goodness of God really does lead to repentance. I also realized that I was to be the spiritual leader of our family. I started taking the initiative and making sure that we prayed together as a couple. I started trying to serve Cindy by helping around the house, helping take care of the kids. However, many times I would get tired of doing all those things. And I would have to replace my emotions with scripture and I quote I would quote Luke 9:23 to myself if anyone wishes to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever loses his life whoever find whoever wishes to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake he's the one that will find it and I found that <clears throat> losing my life or giving up my agenda allowed me to find the true life of joy and peace with Christ. The road of uh, transformation for us has had some bumps. God has walked us through financial crisis several times, given us prodigal children to teach us to be humble. He has ended some dreams that became too much about ourselves, and he's been our strength through back surgery, hip and knee replacement, and cancer. We've had some great experiences in life, but it turns out that that's all they were, were experiences. The real glory in our life is that God took two people who were very broken and headed for divorce and made our life together the most wonderful experience that we could imagine. Cindy and I have tried to be a team all the way through. We've hardly ever acted alone without consulting one another, and God has been faithful and taught us that life is better with Him. And we can actually say with David in Psalm 37, we have been young, and now we're old, yet we've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. So I just want to encourage you who are here tonight, <coughs> whether you're in a, a newcomer or in an open class or a closed class, to be encouraged that there's hope for your marriage. There's no couple that could be any different uh, or opposite than me or Cindy, and uh, we we realized that we had no way of fixing each other, uh, but the God of the universe has written a book and given instructions on how you can heal relationships. So I would just encourage you to stick with it, do your homework, be brave enough to be open with your whole life, and God will intervene and he will help. Uh, James 4.10 says, humble yourself in the Mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you. And he'll exalt your relationships as well. Thank you. Mm -hmm.